Let's pray together. Father, um, it is our hope today that we would respond to you in faith, that we would trust you, and we would not give way to fear or unbelief, that we would trust you completely. So would you give us wisdom as we look at your words? Would you open eyes? Would you open hearts? And we would be, can we be changed, Lord, by your word? We're thankful. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, life is full of interruptions. You know this. You've experienced this. It happens all the time. How many times have our plans been interrupted by something? Whether that's traffic, which is a real problem in this area, okay? Well, not necessarily Hartsville, unless you're coming home at 5 o'clock and then crazy, like, where do all these people come from, okay? Well, this is Charlottesville County. Traffic. People can be interruptions. You like the interruptions. There's so many things that can interrupt us from day to day. Jesus, in Mark chapter 5, experiences an interruption. Now, what happened right before this? That's where we're going to be today in Mark chapter 5 beginning in verse 21. Right before that, there's a story about, we talked about it last week, Jesus cast out the demons in this man. And this, these, this demon was called Legion, and it was actually a bunch of demons in them. And he cast them out to show Jesus has authority over the, the supernatural world. Then, just after that, that's when this scene occurs. Jesus has a, another interruption followed by another interruption. So it's good to know that the Son of God can sympathize with us, and he is a faithful high priest and a compassionate high priest because he knows interruption. And so we see this in Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. This is what happened. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Now, if you remember, he was over in this Gentile area called the Decapolis, which means 10 cities. So he's over there near in this Gentile area, and he crossed back over the sea or the lake. This lake, the Sea of Galilee, was pretty big. And so they would, they would call it a, it's, like, it's like, kind of like the Great Lakes in the sense of you can't see the other side, okay? And so they were crossing the Sea of Galilee. I saw my Michigan folks over there like, Great Lakes, okay? I mean, that was, was pretty good. I saw Bethany like chime in on that one. So she's like, I know what a lake is, all right? See, lakes around here aren't lakes. Unless you go to Kentucky, and then they got some big lakes. That's a big lake, the Sea of Galilee. So they cross on the other side, and immediately he's interrupted. Verse 22. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name, and seeing him, seeing him, he fell at his feet. He falls at Jesus' feet because he has a problem. The problem is seen in verse 23. And he implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she might be made well and live. Now, get this. This man is a ruler of the synagogue. He's probably one of the elders in the local Jewish congregation. And he comes to Jesus. He hears that he's, he's coming. The boat just lands. Interruption immediately runs up to him and said, I need you to help me. My little girl is sick at the point of death. And I need your help. And so we can all sympathize with this a little bit. There's nothing worse than the St. Jude commercial. Now, I'm all for St. Jude and all the cancer research that they do, but how, how much does your heart just ache to think about somebody that little struggling? And this is what this guy, he's, he's, he's desperate. His, his child is ill, and he comes to Jesus and says, will you help me? What happens? Verse 24, and he went with him. So Jesus said, I'm going to go. And a great crowd followed him, and thronged about him. So the, the, there wasn't just Jairus that comes, but Jesus is on the scene and all these people flock to him and he says, let's go. 
Now, they're on their way. Jesus' plans have been changed. He's following the divine plan. In verse 25, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered with much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no but rather grew worse. Now, there's an interruption on top of an interruption. He shows up, Jairus falls, then he's taking the crowds with him to go help Jairus' daughter, and on his way, he runs into a woman who has this issue of blood. She has female problems, and this is a big deal. She has suffered with this for, notice this, when you read the Bible, there are so many details that could be put in there. Have you ever run into anybody that they can't give you a synopsis, a short Reader's Digest version of anything? They're going to tell you every detail in the world. Like what, what, what time of day it was, what shoes they were wearing. And when these people describe a movie to you, it opens with the title, pay, title screen, then, then dissolves into directed by, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'll just see the movie. It'll be less excruciating than this. The Bible, especially Mark's gospel, is very succinct. And when you do that, don't look for things that are not there, but look for what the divine writers have put there under the inspiration of the Spirit. Now, there's a lot of things you could have said about this woman. Talked about her hairstyle. Could have talked about her clothing. Could have talked about any number of things. But there is a handful of details that are included. And I want you to know this. Of all the things, for this to be included in the divine, in, in, in the scripture, the word of God, these details are important. So I want you to notice something. This lady's issue has to do with her reproductive system. And it says, that, and, and it is a painful issue and an embarrassing issue. And it goes on in verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. So this disorder has gone on for 12 years. Now, it also goes on and it says this, verse 26, and who, she had suffered much under many physicians. Some of you can sympathize with that. Who had spent all, and she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. I hear, you hear situations like this. Physicians are, are good and they help us, and they're, and, and they're, and, but they don't know everything. And they're limited by the, the knowledge of the times. They're limited by, there's a plethora of things that happen to a human body. And that so many things going on. And there's so many systems in your body. There's so many outward environmental causes of things. Physicians help and, they, and thank God for them, okay? If you ever had a toothache, thank God for a dentist, okay? All right? If you ever had kidney stones, thank God for the emergency room. I know that firsthand, Okay? Having a baby, thank God for people who know how to do that so the dads don't have to be involved with that, all right? Because we don't know what we're doing, all right? <laughs> all women are like, amen, preach, okay? This physician, was, these physicians had tried to help, but in the quest for healing, she had come up with nothing except for a loss of finances and no answers, but she's only getting worse, Now, this is 12 years like that, 12 years, not 12 days, not 12 months, 12 years that she has suffered with this. I want you to also notice this. If you go to the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 15, and we won't tarry there too long, okay? But if you go start in verse 19, and this is your homework for when you go home. I'm going to give you the the, the synopsis, okay? 
the synopsis of Leviticus uh, 15, 19, and following is that any discharge of blood made the person ceremoniously unclean. They couldn't worship in the Jewish synagogues and temples until they had been cleansed. So the fact that this was an ongoing problem for 12 years means that she was really, in a lot of ways, segregated from the worship of the people of God. Now, so this is adding on top of the problem that she's in pain and that this is a kind of an embarrassing problem. There is a ceremonial aspect of it, too, that has made her unclean where she can't participate in worship. So her life has been, and this, is, this fits with, some, with, with a situation of extreme pain and, and, and illness. There's isolation. There's a, probably a lack of hope in a lot of ways. And the pain keeps getting worse. And you kind of wonder, and you can imagine, I think this is sanctified imagination. You can wonder, she, she's, am I ever going to be healed of this? I think the, the biblical writers have, have included this detail, and Mark has included this detail on, on the inspiration of the Spirit to show us that the situation is hopeless, or seemingly hopeless, dire, and difficult. Because it includes her financial position. That she's broke. She spent all of her money on doctors, all the co-pays, all the deductibles. Obviously, they didn't have that then. Okay, you know what I'm getting at. She spent all of that, and there was, she's no better but worse. Now, this speaks to something really quickly. Many of us, our culture has a, our culture likes to talk about faith, but we don't like to put the name to faith, okay, to a person to faith. We just talk about, if you go watch any movie, you just have to have faith in faith. In fact, the presence of faith is what, is what really matters in your life, as long as you have faith. Just generic faith. Keep the faith Make, just believe, have positive vibes, faith. I want you to know something. This lady obviously had faith in all of these doctors. Do you know why? She went to them and was under their care. When was the last time you were like, all right, I got this problem. I'm going to look in the yellow pages for a doctor, and I want a real quack. Let me find the worst. Let me go on the Yelp reviews and find one that said, I went in with an in ingrown hair and left without two legs. That's the Yelp thing, and it's got, like, negative stars on it, okay? The Google reviews. Let me go to a real bad doctor. I went to this, I went to this doctor. I, I went for a physical. Now I can't walk. That's the guy I want to see. No. Had faith in these people that she set underneath their care and exhausted all of her money on all these things. She had faith in these doctors. But you know what? Faith in faith or faith in the wrong person is of no consequence. The only th- change will happen, I think you know where you're going with this story. The only change that happens when, the faith is, when your faith is in the right person. Faith and faith is just ignorant. Faith in the wrong person is deadly. Faith in Jesus is powerful. And so what we have here is Verse 27, she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowds and he touched his garment. So now her faith was in the wrong people, wrong person. She hadn't lost faith. Now she had found this person to put her faith in Jesus. And what happens? Verse 28, for she said, if I just touch even the 
even his garments, I will be made well. She had heard the reports about Jesus and she has faith now and trust in the right person. And so she comes running to him and she said, listen, he doesn't even have to see me. If I could just touch his garment, I could just grab on to his, his tunic, okay? His clothes. If I could just grab it, that's all I need. And that's pretty, that's faith. And then verse 29, and immediately... As she does this, immediately, this is one of Mark's favorite words because he's very succinct and it's very fast-paced narrative, kind of like Michael Bay. This is, the, this is like the Transformers Michael Bay of the Gospels. It's like bam, 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 camera shaking, go into the next scene. And so immediately, the flow of blood dried up. How long has she had the problem? How many years? Do you remember? Twelve. Faith in the right person. What happens? Problem is healed. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Which I imagine there was a mix of, I believe, but also I'm not sure. And then when it happens, like, oh, I can't believe it. It's like when God answers your prayer and you're like, oh, I can't believe he did that. And then what happens? Verse 30, and Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him. That's a phrase, okay? And then it says, Immediately, he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, hey, do you see this crowd pressing around you? And yet you say, who touched me? Have you ever seen one of those scenes from a movie where like a rock star is leaving a venue? Or you remember, right, you know, like you've ever seen some video of the Beatles? I wasn't around for that, but I've seen it. And, or like any type, or like the boy bands of nowadays, okay? You know, some of you guys know NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. Some of you know One Direction. And now it's some other ones that look terrible too. Okay, some like terrible, skinny, terrible people. Um, that girl's like, ah! Okay, when they see him. Ah! Oh, I got to be more careful with that. I love you. I apologize for that. Wah, wah. <laughs> I'll try to keep that to a minimum. Wow, I really did it. Pastor's fault. <laughs> so, there. if you see, ever seen those scenes where everybody's like crowding around trying to touch this person, that's what happened to Jesus. I mean, he's this, he, the word has gone out and he's the Messiah and all these healings as people try to touch him. And when he's like, who touched me? The disciples are like, dude, I don't know. Everybody how do we know that? And Jesus had known this has happened and he's stopping. Note this. I want to just make this very clear. When you see the miracles in the Bible, they are there to teach us about who Jesus is. It's to pull back the veil because all they could see was the human form and he was fully human, but they could not see the divine. And the, the purpose of the miracles was to expose and to show who Jesus is. And so every act that he does is on purpose. He went with divine mandate and with wisdom. And so now he stops for the good of everyone else because he already knows that power has left, but he stops so that people can perceive who he is. Is And what we have happening in verse 31, his disciples said to him, uh, verse 32, I'm sorry, and he looked around to see who had done it. And I imagine it got real uncomfortable at that point because everybody's like, don't look at me. Don't make eye contact with me. It's like right now. Or like when I were, were preaching to the teenagers, I'm walking up and down the aisles and they all try not to make eye contact with me. And that one kid that makes eye contact with me, hey man, what's your name? All right, tell me what about it. And they're like, oh man, ah, did not want to get called on. 
that was not the plan. And so that's what's kind of happening, looking around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Note this, Jesus, an encounter with Jesus, almost always leads to a person willing to share a testimony about Jesus. And that she was fearful. It's not an absence of fear. She doesn't know how he's going to react to that. She doesn't know if, if she stepped out of line. And also, for an unclean person to touch a clean person would make that person who was clean unclean. So when telling the whole story, Jesus, if he wasn't who he is, would have had to go and be purified purified and gone through a process, go, again, go back to Le- Leviticus chapter 15, of purification to be able to go into the temple and do other things in worship. So it's going to be a big hassle for him. And also for a woman at this period of time to touch a man who was not her husband was big no-no culturally. So you can understand the fear and trembling. But here is what's really amazing. Jesus does not need to be cleansed when the unclean person touches her, but Jesus provides cleansing for the unclean person. Sin makes us all unclean and dead, but Jesus and Jesus alone can make us clean. Oh, what good news is that? And these stories, this the stopping, all of this is premeditated by Jesus to show in, in every other situation He'd ha- a, a rabbi would have to be pur- purified. But Jesus is of the purest ilk, and he is God in the flesh. He requires no purification because he is the one who brings purification. It's not by doing better. It's by Jesus and faith alone in him. And so she comes and she says it, and then what? How does Jesus end it? He said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace be healed of your disease. That's the end. He moves on to Jairus' daughter again after the interruption. She's at peace. He says, be healed, and she leaves. He is, he is showing that he is the one who can heal uncleanliness, and he has the power over disease. It's a great story, but I want you to note a couple of things. First off, again, let's look at the details that the woman included in her suffering. The duration was 12 years. She had been under many physicians, so she had gone a lot of places to find answers in a physical way, in a, in a normal way, to go see a doctor. There's nothing wrong with that, but they were not miracle workers. They'd used everything at their disposal I could imagine. She used everything at her disposal, all of her finances, to make this cleansing happen, to make this problem go away. But she had obviously... She, she was, what had left her with was the, was the fact that she was out of money and really in no better shape. And I want you to think about this. Here's the question I want to pose to us. Why did God allow her affliction to go on for so long? Twelve years. If you could think about twelve years, that's a long time. 
12 years is a long time of being ostracized from society, or at least from the religious aspects of society, to be struggling with this issue, to have the pain of that issue, to have the dealings with that issue. That's a long, long time. Also, she had tried all these means for hope, and they have all come up to nothing. Why would God do that? I can't give you every answer, and I want you to know why. Because we sometimes look for finite answers to infinite questions. We look for finite answers to infinite questions, and when you're dealing with God, you're dealing with an intelligence far above any of ours. He's God. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He is the one who speaks and creates it. And so I can, I can tell you this. I think the text shows us a couple reasons, but that is not exhaustive. Why things happen, just like it's, just like it's so difficult for doctors to diagnose particular issues because of all the environmental factors, because of genetics, because of all the different things, what your diet, all these, all these systems that are interplaying in, in a body when it's diseased or struggling, just like they can't figure it out. When we look at a problem and we look at something that will just hang on and hang on, we don't know the whole story and we may never. Job If you look in the Bible, when Job lost everything, he doesn't know the whole story, and we don't know that he ever knows that there was some heavenly drama that led to this. We know he got to see God, and we know there was a restoration, but we don't, he doesn't know the whole thing, and so I want you to get this. You and me will probably never have answers, complete answers for why, but we will have some, and we always have God. And so this lady had 12 years. Now, can you imagine? I'll just, just take for a second. And I think these details are included on purpose. The, I think the Bible does give us a why. A why. At least partial why. Not the full why. We just talked about it. You may not get the full why. You probably can't handle the full why. I can't handle the full why. Nobody can handle the full why because that's God. And it's, he's infinitely, infinitely intelligent. But we do have a picture into some of the whys. Note this, okay? Look in verse 27. She heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Note this. She heard the report and went. If this had been going on for just a month, it's a possibility she might not have gone to Jesus but had gone back to the doctor. Right? Right? Because here's the thing. How many of you, you don't have to answer this, hate going to the doctor? I hate going to the doctor. I, I respect physicians and love what they do, but I don't like going to the doctor because they're going to pick and prod and take this and take that, and they're going to tell me this and tell me that, and then there's even more tests here and tests here. I go. I don't like it. In fact, now I have developed this weird thing. I'm 35, and when I go in, I got white coat syndrome for some reason. I mean, like, I know the doctor, and I walk in, my blood pressure's through the roof, and I'm like, because <laughs> they're going to tell me, like, sir, you're very loud. Or, I don't, we got we to gotta do something about that, okay? I don't know. I just get real anxious and worked up about it, and I would, but I would rather, if it was, what do you try to do? Always, at least I do, I try to go for the easy, quick fix. Now, she immediately went to Jesus. 
And the fact that her situation had gone on that long, her faith in the doctors had been extinguished, really. And so now she was ready when Jesus came. And I want you to get this. Your life, your situation, what you're going through, do you realize this? If God is leading you to himself, and either to himself by faith for the first time, or leading in the way that you will be made more like him, then all of, because he is so worthy, all of the pain will be worth it, even though you can't see it now. Because he is, he's Jesus. And how he's unfolding and who he is and the, who the Bible shows him to be, he's worthy. He's of the utmost. And so we got this situation in which the long wait prepared her to go to Jesus where she might not have otherwise. It paved the way for her to see Jesus fully or more fully and for the healing. And also her pain was not just for her. Her pain and her ultimate healing was to show us and that crowd who Jesus was and is. How, and then she gets included in the greatest story in the world. The story of Jesus, the Messiah, redeeming us from our sin and redeeming the broken chaos of the cosmos and restoring all things in Christ. And we get to be part of that story. So I want you to know this. I don't know why waits happen, even including, especially with illness. I don't understand it. I don't know why Not completely, but I do know this. In this particular situation, God was preparing the way for this woman to see clearly who Jesus was. And he was preparing the way for her to be a part of his story of telling the world of his glory. Now that's good news because that means there is no, in Jesus, there is no pain wasted And there is hope of healing. Why? Because he has the power. That's one of the things. The word authority is the one used. Authority means that you have the right and the power to say things and they happen. Jesus taught with authority. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. Remember the story in Mark 2 that we talked about a couple weeks ago? If you don't, let me run through you, run, run through it. There's a paralytic guy. He comes. They, they rip the roof off where Jesus is. They lay him down. And what happens? The guy is healed by Jesus. He has authority over, he had authority, authority to heal the paralytic man, making him walk and to forgive sins because it was related to each other. Also, when the demon showed up, nobody could shackle the demon, the demon possessed man in Mark chapter five, who was going around living in the tombs, attacking people and being crazy. Here's the thing. Jesus has authority. He says, come out of the man. And the, the demon's like, no, don't make this come out. And they're trying to bargain with us. Like my son tries to bargain out of brushing his teeth for some reason. And so I, in, in that case, I still have the authority to make brush his teeth, but I'll hear him out. And so what happens? Remember the story? He sends the demons into the pigs, and the pigs drown. And the guy who was raging for all those years and couldn't be contained by any human means is now sitting next to Jesus, fully clothed and in his right mind. And Jesus has authority over the supernatural. He also, you remember the story in Mark chapter 4? Jesus and his disciples are on the raging sea. The boat's going. They're like, we're going to die. 
fine. What happens? Jesus stands up. Be still. He has the power over the natural world. This one, Jesus has the authority to heal the sick. To heal. He has authority over every human disease and ailment. Now, I can't tell you why he doesn't eradicate them immediately. But I'll tell you what, he, his plan is good and has a purpose. We've already seen it. Why does she have to wait 12 years? I don't know. Why not 10? Why not 8? Because in his plan and his providence and his goodness, he was going to wait to heal the disease until it was God's timing. Now, I'll tell you this. We have a problem in our culture and in the church. And it starts with this. My mom got diagnosed in 2008, nine, with breast cancer. And uh, it was a really, really scary time. If you guys know me, you know I love my mom. And you know, if you ever met my mom, you know why I love my mom. She's a cool lady. Um, when she got this, I was at seminary, and I couldn't really help a whole lot. Okay? I couldn't, I was stuck up there going to school, and so this was happening. There was a song that came on the radio by a girl named Carrie Job. I don't know if you ever heard of her before. Carrie sang this song, and the song's called Healer. And the song, the lyrics were, I believe you're my healer. I believe you're more than enough for me. I believe you're my portion. And then it's got the bridge that says, nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for you. And it, it's a true song. And I, man, I love that song. And that's one of those songs I would hang on to, and I would sing, and I would think about the lyrics. And, and, and I, it, was, it was a comfort to my heart during that time. Well, I found out something after my mom had the cancer taken care of and had the treatment since she was in remission. I found out something. I'm thankful I found it after the fact. I found out something about that song. The guy who wrote the song, I don't want to butcher his name, but it's Michael Gaselchi or something like that. He's from, he's from Australia. And he made up, well, what happened to him is he was in a car accident in 2006. Got in a car accident. And when that happened, he, the doctors were look, examined him, and they said, hey, you got cancer. And, oh, it rocked his world. He was a pastor at a church and a worship leader in Australia. And so he wrote the song, Healer. There's only one problem. He didn't have cancer at all. He made the whole thing up. He even went so far to deceive people as to shave his head bald and to shave his eyebrows off and wear an oxygen mask on, on stage when he would... He would sing and speak. And then 2008, you can actually find this on YouTube. It's all fake. He comes out, it's fake. He, was trying, he had an addiction to pornography, and he was trying to hide some of that stuff by this. And I don't know what, what was going on with this guy. It was just a terrible mess. And, and I, I'm looking at that song, and I was like, man, that song and those truths in there meant so much to me. It just reflected what I see in the Bible. That's why the song meant so much. And this guy just made this whole thing up. What do I do with that? When I just, and I just, this is the point. There are so many in our culture 
who have taken the idea of Jesus as a healer and have monetized it and have used it to deceive people. And they, they do healing services, which are non-biblical, and they, they do all, and they think it's possessed in a person. So if you send this guy some money, you sow into their ministry, they'll bring healing into your this, this and that. Like those people should have any power. That's ridiculous. It's ungodly and unbiblical what they're doing. And they're monetizing and making money off of it. Just like that, that guy who wrote the song, Healer. However, one thing that happens with us, especially a Bible church like we are, which is just, we just founded on the scriptures and want to follow and be true, is that because there's so much darkness over here and so much silliness, is that we don't take seriously what the Bible says about who Jesus is. And he can heal. I don't know if he will, though. Your healing might come at death. But he can And if you're suffering right now, it has a purpose. But what I want us to do is to silence the noise over here of those who do it wrong and are just trying to monetize and and at best are just ignorant of the, the whole, the totality of the scriptures. But I want us to hold fast to this today, that Jesus can heal. He might not, but he can and he's always good. And when we pray believing, faith is in a person, Jesus. God is pleased with us by faith and through faith. That's the way we experience and touch his grace is through faith. So I want to invite us to do this morning. It's a little unorthodox for our place and for our people. But I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask everybody to stand, if you would. And we're going to enter into a time of prayer. And I'm going to invite Tom to come on forward to you. If you have been experiencing illness, bodily injury of some form, and you would like the church, especially the elders at the church, to pray for you, we're going to invite you forward in a minute. Just to come to the front. You don't have to, we don't have to tell your ailments. We, you know, we're not going to get in your HIPAA stuff, okay? I mean, those, we don't, we don't worry about that. But we just want to pray for you. And everyone else, if you would, it's just so it's not so, those people that may want to come down and then, and they may be a little nervous about it. If you, everyone else would bow their head and close their eyes and sp- spend some time praying. Maybe you needed to hear the word that, hey, None of your pain is wasted. And whatever God said to you through this message, you just kind of ruminate on that. And then in a minute, when, it, when those people who've come forward, come forward, and we've prayed for them, um, we're, we'll sing together in faith. And so if you are in that situation, or even if you have somebody who is just really struggling with an illness, we're gonna invite you, everybody bow your head, close your eyes. We're gonna invite you to come forward right now in just a few minutes. And in a minute, we'll pray together for you. So if that's you, come on front.
Tom's going to pray first, and then uh, I'll close this in prayer. Church, we're going to pray together now, if you would. Dear God, we thank you for your grace, that you would open the door that we can come to you in prayer, that uh, you've uh, given us your son and put him on a cross to li- and live such a wonderful life to demonstrate your power over this world and your compassion for it. And God, we just, uh, you've asked us to come boldly to your throne. Uh, God, we, after coming to Christ, we know we should uh, be crawling on our knees, uh, God, but you allow us to come boldly and ask our requests. And God, I know that there's so many that suffer and have suffered for so long. Um, and a lot of them are gathered here. Uh, there's probably some out there that uh, have not come forward that also are dealing with some things. And, God, we there's some specific ailments, and everyone here knows what that is and has been dealing with that for uh, quite a while for a lot of them. Uh, God, we know you are capable of healing. We know you're capable of doing this, and we would ask that that would take place. God, that... Uh, these people's lives that uh, for the purpose of glorifying you God, and I just pray that uh, your servants can be relieved of the things that are holding them down, tying them down um, seemingly uh, pressing them to the ground, I just pray that uh, you would relieve those things, God, that you would heal um, and that they would go forth and speak your praise uh, because of these things and God, for the ones that you choose not to um, we're reminded of Paul that uh, um, urgently and fervently prayed towards you and asked that uh, something be removed from his life, and you chose not to. Um, I pray for those that you give them the strength to endure it, um, the wisdom to see the purpose, um, if that's your will to reveal that, of why these things are taking place. Um, if it's to keep somebody humble, if it's to keep them... Um, if it's to grow your story like the woman we learned about this morning, uh, just pray that you would give them the strength and encouragement that they need to endure that um, gracefully and patiently. And God, until uh, we meet you when you make all things well. We thank you for your son. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you for hearing our petitions. God, I couldn't say it better than what Tom said. Thank you that you hear us and that you can heal us. And then if you don't heal us, you give us grace to walk and give these folks grace if the healing does not come this side of eternity. And God, we'll give you all the glory and praise if healing does come. And we'll just remember this moment and we remember that we have faith in Jesus. Jesus, you are big enough to heal us now or to heal us later. And we're always kept by you. We, we just, we trust you. We trust you. In the pain, and in the healing, and in the waiting, we trust you. Let hope rise up in Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's sing together in faith.
His love is deeper than the sea. His mercy is unfailing. His arms a fortress for the weak. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. I lift my hands to believe again. You are my refuge. You are my strength. As I pour out my heart, these things I remember. You are faithful, God, forever. Be still, there is a river that flows from Calvary's tree. A fountain for the thirsty, pure grace that washes over me. Let faith arise, let faith arise. I lift my hands to believe again. You are my refuge, you are my strength. As I pour out my heart, these things I remember. You are faithful, God, forever. I lift my hands to believe again. You are my refuge, you are my strength. As I pour out my heart, Remember, you are faithful, God, forever. Let faith arise, let faith arise. Open my eyes, open my eyes. Let faith arise, let faith arise. Open my eyes, open. My hands to believe again. You are my refuge, you are my strength. As I pour out my heart, things I remember. You are faithful, God, forever. And I lift my hands to believe again. You are my refuge, you are my I pour out my heart, these things I remember. You are faithful, God. You're faithful, God, forever. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. be dismissed with these words. Everybody stand for me.
in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Comfort comes from him. That's why it's a true promise. Go in his grace.